one of the many things I love about our church is that we have such a diverse church family. Like, I mean, every time we gather either together, you know, when there's not a pandemic or even today when we're online, uh, man, we bring so many things to the table. Like we, we bring uh, different cultures, race, different age groups, uh, different economic statuses, different theologies, uh, different political leanings, and even different levels of faith. Like we have a wide range of people of faith at our church. And again, I love that. It's from none at all to I don't know to I used to know, but now I'm not quite so sure, all the way to uh, uh, blessed assurance Jesus is mine. If I was Najee, I'd sing that, but I'm not going to butcher it. Um, But all these varieties bring unique perspectives. And I love that our leadership team, our preaching team, uh, you know, our, our camera, audio, worship team, all these teams that we have, our microchurch leaders, uh, they're all made up of these diverse perspectives. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so, for example, Matthew is this gifted speaker. And every week he brings us the word uh, that God's laid on his heart. And every week I walk away with definitely something to chew on, but usually something to apply to my faith, uh, something to pray about, something that I need to take to God and confess, or maybe just something I need to work out in my heart. So I'm so thankful for his teaching every week. Um, But Matthew could not have preached the message that Maisie brought the last time she spoke. I mean, God used her, like Holy Spirit went deep down inside of her and pulled a message out that only Maisie could have brought uh, with the impact that it did. And, you know, I couldn't have preached that message. Najee couldn't have preached that message. Matthew could, it had to have been Maisie to give that word. And I'm so thankful she did. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that one, you need to go back and listen to it because it's really good. But Maisie can't bring us the messages that Matthew brings right? And Gigi can't bring the messages that Maisie brings, and Najee can't bring the messages that, you know, Matthew brings. So we all have these different perspectives, and we need them, right? We need them. Um, And if you haven't met Cordarius yet, he's sitting behind the scenes over here. I'm really excited to see, you know, how God uses him to bring a new perspective uh, to our Sundays as well. Um, And then you have me, uh, I'm definitely not Matthew, nor <laughs> Najee, or Gigi, or Maisie, or Cordarius. Uh, I'm me, and so you're going to have to put up with me today. Um, and i got to preach like I preach. Uh, I, can't, I can't preach like somebody else. Um, so I'm gonna, just bear with me. If you don't like the way I preach, that's fine. Somebody better and more anointed will be here next week. Uh, but um, fair warning, I do tend to ve- kind of veer into PG-13 territory sometime when I preach. So today, I don't think we're going to get quite there, but I definitely think we're going to probably move from a G rating definitely into a PG rating. So uh, just just be warned, all right? I got to be me, right? All right. Well, when we allow God to use us as us, and we're not trying to be anybody else, uh, we offer this authentic perspective uh, that only we can bring right? Our perspectives are unique. They're not like anybody else's. And that's why we need each other, right? If we all had the same perspective in this silo, there would be no growth. There'd be no challenge. There would be no testing of my faith. There would just be this stagnant, everybody's the same, right? 
And so I value our church because we bring all those different perspectives. And I need to see the world how you see it, right? And you need to see the world how I see it. Otherwise, we're missing out. We're only getting a, a one-sided view of things. And the world's this 3D world where all these different dimensions, and I want to see everything from all these different perspectives. Um, but when these unique perspectives don't align, and sometimes they clash, we need to learn to how, to, how to have grace for one another, right? When those perspectives don't, don't align. But we also need to have grace for our own perspectives, right? Our perspectives are based on who we are, what we've experienced, what we've been through, right? And it's seen through these filters that we've put in place because of those experiences and events in our lives that we've, you know, we, we put them there. So there, everything that we see has these filters that are there. And how many of us know who we really are, right? I'm turning 47 this year. Isn't that crazy? I can't, I'm, I'm like, most of the time I feel like a 20-year-old mind trapped in a 50-year-old body. I, 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 don't, I don't get who I am a lot of time. And I keep asking myself, when are you going to start thinking like a mature adult, right? When are you going to get your act together? You know, when are you going to do this? When are you going to get your finances in order? When are you going to start working out? You know, all these questions keep coming up. Like, uh, you know, am I going to start eating right? How many layers of moisturizer are going to take these wrinkles and dark circles out from under my eyes, right? Hair, where are you going, right? Come back. Uh, remember when it used, I could get a good night's sleep. I, I used to sleep through the night. Well, that doesn't happen anymore, right? I used to be able to take my wife out for a date and end the date in a proper way. And that's not even a guarantee anymore, right? So... I don't know. Where did my 20s go? Where did my 30s go? Uh, why did all this happen? Yeah, these are questions I'm asking. Why did it happen? Why did what happened happen? Uh, you know, why is it still happening? There's all these questions that I have, and I'm trying to think, I'm 47, and I still really don't know who I am, right? Um, to quote the Apostle Paul from Romans, he says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Right? Can anybody relate to that? I certainly can. The problem with our perspective is that it's our perspective. Right? Not that it's wrong or it's invalid, but it's ours. Right? I'm the only one that has my perspective. No one else shares that same perspective. We may share bits and pieces of each other's perspectives, but nobody in its entirely has my perspective. Right? And so that's the problem. My perspective is made up of my hurts, my disappointments, my fears, my failures, my setbacks, but also my victories, my accomplishments, right? My successes. And I wish that the positive always outweighed the negative in these scenarios, but unfortunately, negative experiences usually have a greater impact on our perspective than we think. Uh, According to the work of John Gottman and Robert Levinson, who closely studied the effects of negativity with couples, the suggested ratio is five to one, meaning for every negative encounter in my life, I need five positive encounters to overcome that negative, the, the impact that negative encounter had. Five to one, right? So that means in my life, every time I failed, I need five, I need five successes to make up for that failure. And that's, that's mind-blowing, right? And so I feel like in my life, it's the fourth quarter, 
and I am so behind, there are not enough Hail Marys to catch me up. It's just not going to happen, right? If only God would just fix it. How many of you guys have, have that? God, just fix it, right? If only he would bless me that five to one ratio back, right, in my life. I need some of that pressed down, shaken together, running over kind of intervention from God right now. But seriously, most of us are at a place in life where we're crying out, God, I need you right now. Where are you? Right? I, th- that's been my prayer in 2020 in so many scenarios. And it's like, God, where are you right now? Are you even paying attention to what's going on? And David, a man after God's own heart, had similar issues. And we're going to read out of Psalms 13. And this is a prayer that David prayed. prayed and it's, it's one of the one of those honest, like, David's laying it all out, right? There, there's no, you know, churchy prayer through this. This is David really bearing his heart before God. So we're going to start in verse 1, and it says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And I really like the way the message Bible words it. It says, long enough. God, you've ignored me long enough. I've looked at the back of your head way too long, right? Long enough. I've carried this ton of trouble, lived with a stomach full of pain long enough. My arrogant enemies have looked down their noses at me. I mean, I mean, throughout 2020, it's like, when is this going to end, right? This has been long enough. I can't take it anymore, right? When, when is there going to be some peace? When is there going to be some resolution? When, God, is something going to go in the right direction? And we thought we'd start out in 2021 with a better year, but that hasn't been the case so far, has it? So this is an honest, sincere prayer from David's perspective. He said, I, I, I mean, I've, I've prayed a lot of this prayers similar to this this past year. Like, God, when are you going to come through? Why can't you just show the doctors what's going on inside my body? Or even better, just heal me already. I've prayed that enough times, right? Can you give me a break in my finances? Where is your peace in the midst of all this stress that I'm carrying on my back right now? Why can't I seem to hear your voice? And why can't I not feel your presence right now? Or maybe you've been praying, God, where are you during my miscarriage, during my divorce, during my singleness? right? During my loneliness, during my, my depression, during my 2020. My problem is my prayer usually ends there. I come into the feet of Jesus and I say, Jesus, you told me I could lay this at your feet. I could bring this all to you. And so I do this big dump at his feet and then I don't stick around to hear what he has to say. I take off. And in my impatience, I began digging myself deeper and deeper into this hole, right? It's like quicksand. It's like the more I struggle with it, the deeper I get until I'm so deep I can't even see in front of me anymore because I'm sunken so deep inside of myself and self-pity and my selfishness that I'm in this dark hole and I can't see anything around me. And from that perspective, life just sucks. You can't see anything but darkness. I can't see anything out of that hole, right? So let me give you a visual on how perspective affects our outlook 
uh, and it also affects how we how we see things and how we how we kind of interpret and feel things. So I'm going to show uh, this illustration up on the screen here for you to look at. And you you may have seen this before, but I want you to take a second look a second just to look at it. And what are your first thoughts about it? Okay, just take a second look. And most of our li- most of us want our lives to be that very first pain in this illustration where it says your plan, right? Our plan is to take the shortest and the easiest route. It's the quickest route, it offers the least resistance, and it's the least effort and the least pain. And then we see this reality pain as what life is in reality, right? A lot of obstacles and pitfalls, it's a lot longer, there's ups and downs, and we're not planning for any of this, right? But what if we looked at this whole illustration from a different perspective? The first pain, to me, looks boring. It doesn't go very far. The second pain, to me, looks very exciting, full of adventure, and it's not as hard as it first looks, right? You see in the first, uh, you see in the, the midst of each trial, right, all these different trials illustrated down there, there's provisions. If you don't look hard enough, you don't see them. And I see in the first one, there's a ditch full of rocks. So instead of trying to ride my bike through this whole thing, I'm just going to ditch the bike, right? And then if you see, there's a zip line. So I don't even have to go near the rocks. I can just zip line right across it. And then I get to the next part, and there's some trees. They're going to offer me shelter and shade so I can take a break and rest. And then the next valley, there's a gondola or a trolley or something there, right? And it, that easily gets me across. And so I don't even have to go up and down that valley, And then if I get to the lake, there I can take a boat, and where there's water, there's fish, so I get to spend some time doing something I really love as well. And then the fourth obstacle is a creek, but someone, not me, has built a bridge so that I can easily cross. And at the very last obstacle before the finish line, there's this very steep descent and then a very steep ascent. But at this point, I'm thankful for the rain that's above me to cool me off because I'm pretty hot. And there's a ladder there to get me out. Now, if you take this same illustration and tell a a child, uh, this is a video game. Which one do you want to play? Right? The first one, they're going to, no way. That looks so boring. But the second one, hey, that looks really fun. Right? So perspective, right? Perspective is what it's all about. No one thinks they want the longer, harder reality, but that reality is what makes life life. And, you know, in this illustration, we have the vantage point that, you know, God gets to see where he sees the whole thing at once. But in our lives, when we come into these obstacles, we don't get to see everything laid out before us. We only get to see what's directly in front of us, right? How many, how many journeys have you been on, you know, whether it's uh, an issue with your health, or the death of a loved one, right? We only get to see that immediate moment, and we have no idea what's on the other side or how we're going to get through that trial until we get to the next trial. But from God's perspective, He gets to see all of it, and along the way, if we trust Him, we can trust that He's going to provide in each of those scenarios to get through them. You know, Tom Petty once sang, uh, the waiting is the hardest part. I guess I should sing it because it's like the waiting is the hardest part. All right. That's why I don't sing in worship. I'll let Najee handle that. But it is, right? Waiting is hard. We're a very impatient species, like especially today when everything's so instant, 
right? I mean, if I want popcorn, I can pop it in a microwave in like a minute and a half. It's ready. You know, I can go get a coffee or, you know, Starbucks is right there. I, I can actually order on my phone, hit the button, and it's ready for me when I get there. That's how instant this life has become, right? And I want my prayers answered immediately the same way. Like, I want that quick response. But God doesn't seem to answer that way. And so in my waiting for God's answer or solution, I settle for immediate opportunities, which usually are not the best for me. Um, do you remember the story of Ruth and Boaz? All right, in this story, Ruth and her mother-in-law, they're both widowed. They've been living in a foreign land. Ruth is actually a foreigner. Naomi's not. But they're coming back to Naomi's homeland, and they're moved there, and they basically have nothing. They don't know how they're going to survive. They don't know how they're going to get by. They just know that they come, they've, they've come home, right? And both are very anxious about what they're going to do. Like, how's this going to work out? Well, Naomi has this relative named Boaz. <clears throat> and Boaz is a wealthy, he's good-looking, he's godly, he's a single relative, right, who is known for his kindness and his integrity. He's a perfect match for Ruth, right? He is husband material. Come on, can I get an amen? amen. Or an A-woman? No, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, I, I had to. <clears throat> oh, man. Oh, man. I, I'm not even going to go off on that. All right. Oh, but what if Ruth, instead of waiting on Boaz, right, got impatient, she's out there in the fields, she's gleaning all the leftovers, and she's like, come on, Boaz, come on, can't you see that I'm wife material too, right? Uh, anyway, what if she did stop waiting? And she's like, I'll just settle for one of his cousins, mm -hmm. right? And he's got quite a few. Um, her perspective could have been, well, nothing's gone right in my life so far. You know, I broke, lost my husband, my father-in-law. You know, nothing's really going right. And Boaz, he's just not getting, his, uh, getting the hint here. Um, well, what if I just settle for maybe his cousin, Lazy Az? <laughs> or maybe one of the fine members in his family trees. There, see, there's, there's Broke Az. There's Poaz, uh, there's lying as, there's cheating as, there's dumb as, there's drunk as, there's cheap as, and then there's his third cousin, good for nothing as, right? Now, I, I, I can't take credit for that. Um, I heard another preacher preach that years ago, and it's been in my back pocket ever since. But uh, thankfully, Ruth kept her eye on the prize. Right? She, had, she kept a proper perspective, and she waited for her Boaz. And thankfully, David's prayer doesn't end where we left off. Because if we continue in, in, in verse thir or chapter 13, he says, Look on me, God, and answer. Lord my God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I've overcome him, and my foes will, will rejoice when I fall. Notice he prays, give light to my eyes. Right? Let me see beyond what I'm currently seeing. And let me see beyond this dark hole that I've dug myself into. And let me see from your perspective. Right? God is light. And where there's light, there is no darkness. And so we're at, he's asking God, lighten my eyes. Like I said, our perspective's not entirely wrong. It's not invalid, but it is incomplete. 
Notice David doesn't abandon his perspective altogether, but he aligns it with God's, right? He doesn't ignore or forget the bad, bad things that are going on or that have happened to him, but he is asking to shift his focus to what God is seeing. If we can take our perspective and align it with God's perspective, we can see clearly again. So how can we see from his perspective? Um, for starters, prayer. We're about to enter, today starts our, our uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is a great time to you know, clear some clutter out of your life and really give God attention and focus. And David doesn't just dump his stuff on God and take off like I tend to do sometimes. But he asked God to look at him, right? Sometimes we're so busy searching for God, searching for his answers, that we forget he's right there with us. Even if we can't hear him or see him at that moment, he's there. And sometimes we're so busy looking for him, but what we really need is to be seen by him. David says, look on me and answer. So, see me, God. Know me, God. Be my Lord. I will wait it for your answer. I want to know your perspective on my situation. Let me see what you see so that I can know what you know. Another way to get God's perspective is through His Word. The Bible has a lot to say on who we are from His perspective, and here are just a few. Number one, God is good. No matter what you're going through, that's a solid that you can always stand on. God is good. Number two, I'm a child of God. Some days I don't feel like it, but the promise is there that I am. And so I stand on that promise when I feel like I'm in a hole. I've been set free from condemnation, accusation, sin, and death. God sees me as holy, righteous, and blameless, thanks to Jesus' grace and sacrifice. Sin no longer separates me from God. He is near, and He will never leave me nor forsake me. God chose me and loves me just the way I am. And so if you're having trouble seeing some things from, from God's perspectives, those are definitely some promises you can stand on from His Word. And then we get to the end of David's prayer. Verse 5 says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for He has been good to me. And the final way we can see from God's perspective is to climb out of our holes and give Him the honor, the worship, and the praise that He's worthy of. For me, worship is that place where, man, I can just pour out my heart before him, but also I'm declaring how good he is. I'm reminding him of who he is by reminding myself of who he is. It's, 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 it's a beautiful transfer. It's the selfless, selfless act of declaring God's goodness back to him so that can empty us of ourselves, and in turn, he fills us with his presence. It's, a, it, it's an unfair exchange, really. It's the act of, you must increase, I must decrease. There's something about worship that enables me to see through the fog of life and remember how, God, how good God truly is. Um, man, 2020 was one crazy-ass year, right? And it would be very easy for me to take all those hurts and pains that have built a perspective into 2021, right? Um, but I don't want to, right? I mean, think about it. The news wants us to focus on 
you know, the heartache, the deaths, the injustice, the wildfires, the political roller coasters. I mean, all these things the news keeps bringing up. There was a recap of 2020 we watched on New Year's, and all of it was like, oh my goodness, you're just reminding me of how horrible this year was. Thanks. Um, but I can set goals again, like I did in 2020. I didn't, I didn't finish a single goal that I set. Um, but without a proper perspective, I mean, those can easily turn into failures. So I woke up this past Wednesday at 3 a.m. and I couldn't go to sleep. And I had all these thoughts running through my head. And that's when I got up and I was like, well, if I can't sleep, I might as well write these out. And that's when I wrote this sermon down. And then that, afternoon, that same day, that afternoon, I turn on the news and I see our capital being overrun by, you know, a, a bunch of people. And immediately I'm thinking, man, everyone that's watching this has a different perspective on what's going on. Nobody is seeing these events from the same perspective. And all through social media and on the, you know, news and people I texting and like we all had these different perspectives of what was going on. And all these feelings began coming out of that moment. And none of these feelings are wrong. They're not, none of these feelings are invalid, but they are incomplete. All these perspectives are not complete. And so if what happened on Wednesday made you feel proud to be an American, well, the Bible has a lot to say about pride and God doesn't look too favorably upon it. If Wednesday made you feel like, you know, well, what, how did it feel on Wednesday? Was the pendulum of justice swinging more towards justice or more towards injustice? How did that feel, right? Well, the good thing is Jesus is the judge who's going to judge the actions of every single one of us. And in the end, he's going to make all things right. Did Wednesday make you feel confused? Well, God is not the author of confusion, right? But he gives us peace. Did Wednesday maybe make you feel, you know, scared, alone, powerless, unloved? Well, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm not saying we forget these feelings that we're having based on a perspective or that they're wrong or that they're invalid. I'm just saying they are incomplete. Unless we can see these situations and the things that happen in our lives, not only from our perspective, but from God's as well. It's, his is the correct perspective. And this is just, I mean, Wednesday is just one of the many, many, many obstacles that we're going to face in this life. But we have to trust that in each obstacle, God is going to provide a way for us to get through it. I can't help but think of James 4.10 where it says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, it takes, it takes humility to admit that our perspectives might not be right. They may not be complete. But if we can admit that, he promises to lift us up so that we can see from his perspective as well. So my prayer for 2021 for our church for myself, for my family and friends, and for this nation, is that we can take a step back and maybe maybe see things from God's perspective. Um, you know, I wish I could say 2021 is going to be a better year, 
We don't know that. I don't know what lies ahead. But I do know that God will be there and see us through the entire thing. So thank you guys. God bless.